Are you planning an overseas trip and not sure everything you need to do to get ready for an overseas trip? Well, today on this episode of the Travel Fun and Adventure Podcast, we are going to go over our list of what you should be thinking about when you plan a trip overseas, especially this price specifically called the Europe, but it also can apply to all, you know, pretty much any other country. We will give you our tips for things you need to think about and things you need to get. Because some things you can't buy over there or you want to have before you begin your trip. That's next on the Travel Fun and Adventure Podcast. Hello everybody, my name is John Dornoff, and I'm your host for the Travel Fun and Adventure Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about all things travel. Whether you're traveling with kids, whether you're traveling with pets, whether you're traveling with, you know, just as an empty Nepster couple, whatever it is, we want to help you plan a wonderful trip. We give you honest reviews. We give you tips. We give you our favorite list. Everything you're going to need for great journeys. And on this particular episode, we are going to talk about what you need to think about when traveling overseas. Now, I'm going to assume you've already decided that you want to make a trip overseas. But you're probably saying, what is everything I'm going to need to put together for this trip? Or, what do things I need to plan? All that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about it. For this episode, I'm going to assume this will be your first major trip overseas, which can be daunting because, you know, it is a totally different world than it is here in the United States or Canada or many other places you may travel. So let me start with the number one thing you need to think about. Hopefully, you might already have it, but you might, if you don't, you need to think about it ahead of time, and that is getting your passport. Of course, if you're going to cross, cross boundaries to in even in Canada, you're going to need a passport. Now, if you're traveling by road into Canada, you can use a passport card. If you're traveling flying, you need a regular passport. For those of you who are not experienced with having a passport, a passport is basically a black book. And what happens is you will they will have your basic information, um, your information about traveling, and then there will be many pages where you can get stamps, where you will get stamped. For example, my most recent trip, I flew into Germany because I flew Lufthansa, even though my final destination was Switzerland and Zurich. However, they're both in the same you know, European zone, so you only have to go through passport control in Germany when you, after you arrive from the United States. It takes just a few minutes. I was in and out of there in less than five, ten minutes max. They stamped your passport, and you're on work. They asked a couple basic questions. Why are you here? How long are you going to be here? Okay, bye. It's pretty simple. I was kind of nervous because most of my experience is traveling to, like, Canada. And Canada used to be so hard to travel into. I mean, you felt like you're being interrogated every time. Now it's changed. Now it's 
going coming back into the United States that seems to be the hardest one. But actually, overseas, I have never had a major difficulty. Knock on wood for Micah, I've never had a major problem. But the biggest advice I want for you for your passport is to get it early. Request it early. For example, I would say at least six months ahead of time, maybe more. Now that's more, they say three months. You should um, order your passport, but you don't know what's going to happen. Let me tell you what a story. So in June, the first June, my daughter graduates from high school last week of May. And we are going, not only is it her graduation and kind of turning 18 too within a few couple weeks, but it's also my wife and I's 25th anniversary, which is actually in May, in the middle of May 15th, actually. So this is a special trip. My daughter, because she beforehand was 16, she didn't need a passport. Now she needs a passport. So we went down to local post office and did all the paperwork and they sent off the things to the, you know, department that goes over the passports and two months later we get a letter that says you did not use an authorized passport location. Of course, we're scratching our heads here and it's like, we went to the post office. That's about as authorized as you can get. However, I will say, no offense to the person at the post office, but I think that he may have made a mistake, may have done something wrong. So, yes, we had to redo the paperwork. Fortunately, we had already done, paid for them. They had the rep, they showed, they sent us a letter that said, you've already paid, you don't have to pay again, but you have to resubmit your paperwork. So now we're getting to the point where we're like six weeks of what is it? Just about six weeks away from leaving, and we have not seen my daughter's passport yet. But if it gets down to less than eleven days, then you can call a different number, and they'll hopefully rush it. But that is why you want to order your passport very early. You just don't know what's going to happen. Now, one thing I'm going to put into the show notes is one of the things I did for my most recent trip is I bought this little passport booklet that holds your passport. It can also hold your vaccine certificate. Even though most places don't require it anymore, I just still carry it with me just in case. It also has a spot where you can put like debit, credit cards, or your driver's license, anything like that. Plus includes a thing so you can open up your phone and put in a SIM card, which is something we'll talk about in a moment, and has an area for a pen. As I said, I'll include a link for that. It is to Amazon. It, however, it is not an affiliate link. I just think these things are really cool. First time I used it. Oh, plus it also has area to keep your cash. So you can have it in your front pocket, hopefully, and keep it from pit pockets, which is an issue. Next up on our tips list is that you need to book early. Now, the worst time to visit Europe is August. That's the worst time of the year to visit because that is when a majority of Europeans go on vacation. Now, as I've mentioned many times, if you live here in the United States or maybe Canada or 
other places that run the normal you know fall to spring school schedule i would go you know try to go right after your kids get out of school or right before they come back unfortunately that time can be i mean like our kids they had to come go back to school like the last week of august so that wouldn't have worked too well however they got out by usually the first day or two of june so we went usually would go on vacation the first or second week of june it's quieter there's not as many people on vacation it's cheaper which is always a good thing but once you have your dates once you've decided when you're going to travel book your travel now, one of the suggestions we always make is do not prepay for reservations unless you absolutely have to, because you never know. One of the things that come up is you might find a better deal. For this trip we're talking about in June with my daughter and my wife, Re- just this past weekend, I saw something about a deal for a place to stay where we're going which is in the Canary Islands. It was half the price of the room I booked. It is a two-bedroom condo, just like we booked, and it was half the price. And this one is closer to the beach. It's closer to a lot of things. So we booked it. Everything went fine there. Now, hopefully, it will go fine when we get there, too. There's some things you never know. But that's the reason why you don't want to pay in advance, because you never know if a better deal is going to come up. But book early, and that way you can check later, and if something does come up, something cheaper, you can go ahead and book it, you know, rebook it and save some money. So you've booked. Next thing you need to think about is your phone plan. Will your phone be covered in you know another country such as Europe. We have T-Mobile Max service and it does have international calling. Nice thing about I like about this is you don't have to change a SIM card, although now it's an e-SIM card, so it's a little easier. And we get international calling. Now one thing they do charge like 25 cents a minute when traveling, when you're calling overseas. However, the only calls I made were to my wife on my last trip. So not many, you know, not many calls. This trip, coming up trip, my wife will be with me. So probably most of the calls we'll be making is, you know, just local saying, where are you? What, you know, when are you going to be here? That kind of, what do you want to do? You know, it's not going to be anything major. And it gives you free texting. No matter, you know, like in a large number of countries, and I'm this is not sponsored by T-Mobile. Well, if they want to sponsor me, I will definitely, I would definitely go for that. But that's another story. So yeah, find out what your phone plan covers, and if it doesn't cover international calling, your options are you can when you get over here, you can either or get over to Europe or to you know to Asia or Australia, whatever it is. You can either buy a phone or buy a SIM card there. Of course, then you have a different phone number. So that's one thing to you know take into consideration. Next up, this is one 
I didn't think much about. But a couple times, Mark from Walter's World, which is a YouTube channel, I'll include a link to his YouTube channel. It's very good. Him and his wife, Jocelyn, they travel quite a bit. He's a professor full-time, but also does a lot of traveling and has lived overseas. One of the things he always recommends is, before you go on an international trip, be sure to walk a little more than you're normally walking. I didn't think about that that much because I walk a lot. The average American walks about 4,600 steps per day. I will usually walk anywhere from 10,000 to 20,000 steps a day. So substantially more. But if you're somebody who only does the average, I mean, you live in a place where you don't walk a lot, you'll want to get good, comfortable shoes and start doing some practice walks because you're going to walk a lot. It is easy to walk in Europe. Now, for example, when I was in Paris, I took the train into Paris. Well, I did did a trip. After I got into Paris, I walked for almost three, almost four hours. I did 41,000 steps in Paris. Well, that day. Also, some of it was airlines. Some of it was in Brussels. But you get the picture. I did a lot of walking. I walked from the train station down to where the rebuilding Notre Dame. I went to the Louvre. I went to the Eiffel Tower. I would have gone farther, but I was flat out running out of time, and I had a plane to catch back to Zurich. My first day arriving in Zurich, after I flew into Munich, then flew down to Zurich, I checked into my motel, hotel. Um, they allowed me to check in early, which was only about 20 minutes early, but they were very friendly about it. Took a shower, then I immediately went to um, the heart of Zurich on the commuter train, the S-Bahn as it's called, and I walked almost an hour and a half. I would have walked a lot more, except it started pouring rain. But fortunately, Zurich has such a great tram network, I didn't need to walk. I, I mean, trams were running every few minutes. And that is what is next on the list. Most people, when, you know, especially from the United States, think first thing they need to think about is renting a car. Well, there's many places in the world you don't need to rent a car. I didn't rent a car when I was in Zurich. Why would I? It was too convenient. The train was too convenient. It was super convenient. I went up to Strasbourg, did some walking up there. Of course, as I said, I went to Paris, did some walking there. But I never needed a car. Now, on our trip to the Canary Islands, we will be renting a car because I'll be with my family. We'll be seeing things. We're not as familiar with the Canary Islands. They do have a light rail system, tram system, but it only covers, you know, one town on the island. They also have a great bus system. So that is also an option. So you don't have to drive. In fact, there's few places in the world you really have to drive, except Canada, United States, Australia, you know, places like that. Another thing to con- take into consideration is where you're going to be staying. Now, most, you know, you think Airbnb, Verbal, or ho- hotels and motels. One thing to take into consideration is European hotels or rooms are much smaller than they are in the United States. 
They're equal to what our hotel rooms looked like back from about the turn of the 19th century to 20th century to all the way to the 1950s or 60s. They're small. Now, I just stayed in Zurich. I stayed actually in the Holiday Inn Express. It was a small room, but it was well laid out. But it was just me, too. When we take our trip to the Canary Islands, it's going to be my wife and my daughter. So we're going to, we're renting a condominium through Verbal. If you have more than one or two kids, most likely you'll want to look at a place like a Verbal or an Airbnb or any other apartment hotel stay you can find. Because most hotel rooms are going to be too small and otherwise you're going to be paying for two rooms. Which, there are some affordable rooms, but there's a lot of overpriced hotel rooms out, out in Europe. So, think about how many of you are going to be traveling. And you, you most likely will probably, especially if you're traveling with a family, will most likely be looking for a apartment or, you know, some type of stand, you know, that type of place to rent, not a hotel room. The next tip we have for you is to not plan too much. I am so guilty of this one. I will plan so many things to do or try to cover too much area. And it just is really tough. And you know, kids get bored or don't want to do everything. I try to cover too much territory in too little time. That has always been my mistake. I've been getting better. In fact, as I said, this trip on the Canary Islands, we're staying on one island. We're not going to be traveling a lot. In fact, I'm hoping to do some rest. My most recent trip I just came back from, only I would plan a trip where I did not sleep in one night, one morning, any of the days I was on this trip. I was up early every single morning, or didn't sleep at all, like on the flight from Boston to Munich. Because I was stressed out because my my wife was and daughter were under and my son and other daughter were under tornado warning, so that's pretty stressful not knowing what was going on there. So no sleep. So don't plan too much. One thing I would recommend is, especially if you this is your first trip, just find the place you want to go, say Paris or Zurich. Or maybe Stuttgart, Germany, or Strasbourg, France, Berlin. I mean, there's any kind of city. And base yourself there and just, you know, go on day trips from that place. With the wonderful high-speed train networks in all these countries, it is pretty easy to get across, you know, the different places. So that's what I would recommend, especially for a first trip. Just find some place you really want to go. But it's also convenient to the other places you want to go that you can do like day trips. And so airfares are also cheap. I flew from Paris, from Zurich to Paris, and then went on some high-speed trains, you know, up to Brussels and back because I wanted to experience those high-speed trains. I'm a train. I'm a transportation geek, so I wanted to experience those. But it was relatively cheap to fly between those places, if it's too far by train. You can get to Paris to Zurich in four hours by train, 
and that would have worked too. In fact, I almost took the train instead, but there were, I wanted to specifically fly a certain type of plane that's going to be retired in a couple months, and almost all of them have been scrapped, so yeah. So sometimes there's a specific thing. But yes, I would definitely avoid planning too much. Another thing you want to con- consider purchasing before you go is a converter that will convert from our voltage is 110, where Europe is on 220 and most other countries are on higher voltage. So some of your appliances, some of the stuff you take, such as laptops and stuff, may need a converter to convert between those two. So that's something you want to consider buying. We've bought a couple of them from Amazon, and they all seem to do a good basic job. Plus, they include the plug outlets for Europe. Because every other country outside of North America has a different plug layout than we do here in North America. We couldn't all standardize. We all had to do something a little different. Next up, one suggestion is when you're planning your trip, that first day, your inclination will be you've been on a plane all night, you'll get into the city, and you'll just crash for the day. That is where you usually will end up with the worst jet lag. As I said, on my trip, I arrived in Zurich. I immediately you know, just went to the room, freshened up. I would have taken, mainly took a shower and then got on the S-Mod train into Zurich. Um, main station. I would have actually taken a shower at the Munich airport, except for the, there was something wrong and I, they weren't allowing anybody into the shower, so and I skipped that one. That would have saved a little time, maybe got more done before the downpour started. But that's it. The next day I got up, because like I said, uh, sleeping in on a trip? Nah. The next morning I was up at 5 4.30 in the morning, because I had to catch a train to get to a train to catch another train. Anyway, I had to catch some trains. But I was not jet-lagged, because I had immediately, when I arrived in Zurich, just kept on going. But that night, I got a good, fairly good night's sleep, so that's really important. So think about jet-lag. Now, on our trip coming up, we arrive in Amsterdam, then we have a two-hour layover, then we fly to London, then we have a six-hour layover before flying to the islands. So this will leave little room to actually get any rest. We're probably going go to go to the train station store. Our bags were the Gatwick Express out of Victoria Station, which is just a few-minute walk to Buckingham Palace. So we got a lot of tourist stuff we have planned in London. To keep us busy, then fly down and hopefully be ready for a good night's rest. That way your your system adjusts. Coming flying back turn into not the best trip. Flying back we flew back I flew back on Lufthansa again. It wasn't an issue with Lufthansa, but then I changed to American Airlines in Boston and there was severe storms in the Midwest and West Midwest and south and east coast so flights were delayed i was two hours late getting into into um, chicago which meant i didn't get to my motel until 1 30 in the morning 
But then I went straight to sleep and was up at 7 a.m. ready to go. So avoid that jet lag by having stuff planned. As I said, usually you don't need to rent a car. There is maybe some places like in France that you may want to rent a car. Maybe a few places. I mean, Zurich, I mean, Switzerland is covered so much by trains and buses. And they're not the crappy but I mean, these buses are better than the ones you find in the United States. You really don't need to rent a car. One thing I will recommend, though, is to get a rail pass. You have to buy them ahead of time. And there's different types of rail passes. They have the Eurorail pass, which covers Europe. It covers the trains. You can buy either second class or first class. Or individual countries will also use have rail passes. When I was on this trip, I bought a Swiss rail pass. Now, it means I did have to buy a couple of tickets in, for French trains individually, but it was a fantastic deal. Now, the great thing with like the Swiss Rail Pass is it includes not only train travel, it includes all the buses, or at least most of the buses. It includes most, all your city transit, or at least, as far as I know, all city transit. There may be some obscure ones that they don't cover. It covers, I mean, city transit. It also covers like 500 museums. So you can go all kinds of museums. So be sure to check around. If you're going to be in one country, look to the rail pass for that particular country and see what they offer. Because if it's very tourist oriented, which, you know, a pass like that usually is, it's probably going to offer you something like the Swiss rail pass does. So be sure to look at those deals. And like I said, it depends on which country you're going to have different deals. Now, one last recommendation I'm going to make for this list is that if you do go ahead and buy that rail pass, if you can afford it, buy a first class rail pass. Now, they can get pretty pricey. I know the one in Switzerland got pretty pricey when I went to first class. Almost doubled what it was for coat for second class, but you may be very happy with that first class because one thing I didn't notice is that first class was not that crowded. Second class on most of those trains, in fact all the trains I rode, even on a Sunday morning were packed. I think the only train that I rode that was not truly packed was when I went to Basel from Zurich Monday on a Tuesday morning. However, that train was an IC train from Germany and it continued all the way to Berlin, and this allowed seat reservations, and according to seat reservations, all the seats were going to be filled very shortly. So on that first leg, it wasn't so crowded, but it quickly got very crowded. So you want to basically, first class will actually get you into a little nicer seat. It's not it's not luxurious first class like you would on, a, like on an airline. It is still basically a seat. Thalus which is, runs from Brussels down to Paris, they they do offer a premium brand where you can get a meal, which is, was pretty good, not great. It's cold meal. It's not a hot, it's not a warmed up meal. Just keep that in mind. But most of them are just, you know, will give you a little nicer seat. But main thing is, it will be less crowded. Now, some trains also allow you to make a seat reservation. Now, for example, most of the trains in Switzerland, except for trains like the Glacier Express, which is their tourist train, or like the Golden Pass, which I rode, 
seat reservations are normally only $5. On the Golden Pass, the seat reservation is like, I believe, only $25. Now, I went premium, which is the top level. There's also first class. I did not see enough difference between first class and premium, except for the fact that the premium sits a little higher in the car. They really justify the price. I mean, the price difference isn't that much anyway, so you might as well upgrade to the premium. Although, if you can't get the premium, I forget, it's not exactly premium. They don't call it premium, but but either way, they're top of the line, which is another situation that's on a separate website from the first class and second class. But definitely get seat reservations if you possibly can and get them ahead of time, especially on busier days of the week, which my experience flight riding in Zurich, that would be um, any day of the week. Because even Sundays, when almost everything is closed in Switzerland, the trains are packed. So that's our tips. Do you have any tips that you can think of? If you do, go on to our Facebook page at Travel Fun and Adventure. Be sure to tell us your tips. Because it's always good to get as much knowledge as possible. And don't forget, if you go to the show notes, we also have our links to our Instagram page, our Twitter page. As I said, I'll leave a link for Walter's World, the YouTube channel. Because I got some good information. I'll also leave a link for these little passport holders. And like I said, they're not affiliate links. So I won't get an affiliate, you know, any money for it. I'm just recommending you because I thought it was a really great deal. Remember to go on your favorite podcasting posting service and give us a rating. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks and have a great week.